Hello and welcome to Feet Play Love. In this episode of Helpline with sleep specialist Joe Ryan. Now, if you have any questions, you can ask in a number of ways. If you've joined us via the Facebook Live, you can pop your questions below this video in the comments. Or if you'd like us to answer your question next week, you can send your email to helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. We also have a Facebook group. So if you'd like to put your questions in there, you are more than welcome. Just head to the Babyology Facebook page and you will find the helpline group. Joe, hello and welcome. Look Hi. at your fabulous hair. Sorry, podcast listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. As you know, I've been in Melbourne. Uh, I am in Melbourne, so we haven't been able to go to the hairdresser for a very long time. It's so, so exciting I went when you can go. Works. I know. <laughs> it's very exciting. Well, it looks lovely. Welcome back to uh, non-lockdown world. It's good <laughs> to have you. you. Thank you. Let's get stuck in some of these into some of these questions. The first one comes from Louise. This is from our helpline group. She says, my seven and a half month old wakes up almost every hour overnight. She doesn't seem hungry and is not teething. So I don't know what's causing this. The GP, cle GP has cleared her from ear infections, etc. Do you have any suggestions? Some background. She wakes up every morning around 6.30 a.m., then naps at 9 for one and a half hours and again at 1.30 for one and a half hours. Her bedtime is at 6.30 p.m., depending on when she wakes from her last nap. She's on three meals a day plus four formula bottles. She's very happy during the day and goes down easy for naps and can resettle herself again. Occasionally, she's resettled herself at night too, but still wakes up after 30 to 60 minutes. Occasionally, she does a longer stretch, but maximum two hours, then she wakes again. So that's a seven and a half month old. Okay. So that, okay. So look, the thing is that babies wake out of habit, you know, um, at night. So I'd be interested to hear what, um, sorry, I can't remember the mum's Louise. name. Louise is doing to resettle her, you know, because if she's picking her up and rocking her to sleep in her arms or feeding her back to sleep, then these things all become very strong associations. Some babies are much more sensitive to that than others and some will not worry and, or sleep for much longer periods between wakes, but some will then rouse every kind of time they come into a lighter part of their sleep cycle, which can be every hour to hour and a half, you know. So, um, you know, my, my suggestion would be, I guess, to just be conscious of how you're settling her back to sleep. Try not to do too much. Obviously, stay with her and settle her, but try to do that in the cot, Try to just pat her in her cot. Obviously, if she's very distressed, you have to pick her up and cuddle her, but then back down so that she falls asleep back down in her cot. So the things to not be doing is to rocking her back to sleep in your arms if you can help it, feeding her back to sleep. Also be um, aware, like if it's just, if it's been ongoing, then I would assume it's something like that, a, ha a habit that's forming. Um, it sounds like her routine's great and she's getting plenty of sleep in the day, so it doesn't sound like she's going to bed too overtired, which can also cause a lot of waking. But, you know, maybe she's teething. Teething can often cause regular frequent waking, but that's generally only for a couple of days until the little tooth appears. Um, so they're, they're the things I would be conscious of for Louise, just to be conscious and mindful of how she's resettling her back to sleep so that, the, so that the little one's not getting too much assistance except for support and, and presence, you know, and padding, but in the cot rather than taking her out of the cot would be my 
Good luck, Louise. We hope yeah. that ends for you soon. An hour, each hour is pretty brutal. Mm, terrible. Well, pretty brutal. It's very, very brutal. brutal. This next question comes from Nida. She says, my 10-month-old has been waking up for the day somewhere between 4.30 a.m. and 5. Occasionally, they'll sleep until 5.36, which I'm okay with. His routine is breastfeed after wake, then breakfast solids uh, 45 minutes later, nap around three hours after wake time, usually an hour, 10 minutes, morning tea after he wakes up from nap, Lunch at 12, another breastfeed, an hour after lunch and goes down for second nap around three and a half hours after waking up from the first one. This is often one hour, 20 minutes, but occasionally only 45 minutes. Then has afternoon tea when he wakes, dinner at five and bath and a breastfeed again in bed at seven. He self-settles for all naps and nighttime just with his blankie and has recently had some nights where he sleeps through but could also be up once a night. Room is very dark and is not too cold as aircon is on. What can I do about the early morning wakes? I've tried leaving him be, but he usually starts screaming hard after 10 or so minutes. I've also tried feeding him one side and trying to pop him back down, which sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. Also, here's an aside, what can I do about the middle of the night poos which are waking him up? I, I change him really quietly and in a pitch black room, but he still gets pretty worked up and it can't and can't settle down easily. Yeah, the middle of the night poo is just hard work. You know, there's not a lot you can do about it. I mean, um, if it's distressing him and disturbing him, then you probably have to change it. I mean, disposable nappies are generally designed to hold the poo till morning if you can, but if it's causing him to wake and then you just have to do it as quickly as you possibly can and get him back without too much fuss, which sounds like what she's doing. But hopefully, you know, that will pass. The middle of the night pooing does stop at some point. Um, <laughs> You know, obviously, um, but so in relation to the early morning rising, so I say this a lot, boys are notorious early morning risers. Um, but before you kind of just, you know, accept that it's going to be 4.35, it's not going to be that forever, but some boys are really early morning risers. I would sort of play around with the day naps a bit because two long naps at 10 months is probably a bit too long. So I would perhaps cap the first nap at 45 minutes or wake him after that and cap the second nap at sort of an hour and a half, you know. Um, and then um, that way, you know, he's not getting too much sleep in the day and he should be able to, you know, he might sort of add it to the night. If they get too much, there is a sort of sleep quota, I guess, you know, for each child. And if they're using up too much of it in the day, then they do tend to kind of shorten their nights a bit and wake early. So that's um, the first thing I do. I would also just check that he's not cold at that time in the morning. I know we're moving into summer, but still, it's still cool around 4, 4.30 in the morning. It's when it's the coldest. So, um, you know, if he's not wearing enough clothes or if he's just in a very lightweight bag, he might need another layer just to help him through that early hours of the morning. Um, I would probably say don't feed him. You know, if it's not really working, then it's probably not a good habit to get into because um, they do latch on to those habits quite quickly. Um, so um, you could try patting him back to sleep as well for a couple of days and see if that helps. But generally for that age group, when they're awake, they're awake. Um, so I would be restricting his daytime naps a little bit to see if he can 
you can make it through the nine a bit longer, even to five, which I think five is acceptable. Anything with a four in it is probably not. Mm, no. Yeah. Good luck. Good. Yes. Good luck with that. Okay. The next question is from Jade. She says, our son is 22 months old. The past couple of weeks, we've struggled to get him to eat dinner and sometimes lunch. We have tried so many different foods, not giving him snacks during the day. Have tried involving him in the cooking process, just, just watching what we do. My partner is getting really worried he's not eating enough or putting on the right weight. Dinner time is a nightmare and I've started to dread it as he just straight out refuses to eat. Is there anything else we can do to help encourage him to eat? Eating is the classic toddler problem, isn't it? Um, you know, you can't force a child to eat, so you have to kind of find other ways to get nutrition into him. Um, so I'd be interested to know whether he's drinking milk in the day and how much milk he's drinking. Sometimes if they're getting lots and lots of milk feeds, they're not hungry. So um, I would just be mindful of that. But if he's not and he's still not eating, then I would suggest maybe introducing some maybe smoothie type sort of things that perhaps he could drink. If he's losing weight, I would be concerned about that. And maybe you'd need to go and see a GP and or a dietitian just to get some, you know, proper sort of assessment of what might be going on. Um, toddlers are, like, as I said, renowned for pushing back around food. It's the first way they kind of learn to say no and they assert their independence. That is the newly discovered independence. Um, so offering snacks is a great idea. I know, you know, you say you're doing that, which is great. Making short, but oh, making I think she said that they weren't offering snacks, not giving him snacks. Oh, not giving day, snacks. Just well, so he's hungry, I suppose. Sure, but I would maybe offer snacks because toddlers are um, on the go. So often they um, eat a bit on the run rather than that sit down kind of. It's still good to have the sit down time this is lunch time this is dinner time and you sit with him and eat with him as well can also be helpful but if you're worried about his intake I would be definitely offering him snacks during the day um just is it true of- what they say about toddlers Joe? um that you I remember people telling me this don't look at each individual meal look at a 24-hour cycle yeah. in terms of what they eat I would I would for, for a child that's particularly fussy or having difficulty you know at meal times I would rather get food into him you know at other times of the day so things like fruit you know blueberries apple slices things that they can eat with themselves with their hands and do this themselves is really good um, things that high in calories like you know lots of full fat dairy like yogurts and whether you can get them in those squeezy pouches so that he can feed himself that way things that are easy for them to do while they're doing other things is also a good a good idea but maybe some smoothies with some you know yogurt and some lsa and some stuff in it that can add a little bit of bulk to it might be helpful as well yeah. yeah and um, I just really want to pick up on what you said, Joe, um, that if, if this child is losing weight, then mm. that is definitely a problem. Yeah. Um, and I think we can get very obsessed about their weight. But we, I remember someone once telling me, look, if that your toddler's refusing to eat, they'll eat when they're hungry. And mm. often they do. We just get so concerned about the mm. period of time we see them not eating. Mm. But of course, the big red flag is if they're losing weight. Totally, totally. Mm. And I think you're absolutely right. Toddlers eat when they're hungry and they don't like to sit and, you know. So um, 
But if it's a very small amount of food and he's not gaining weight and, in fact, losing weight, then that would be a concern for me, yeah. Yeah, so look into it. But hopefully that helps somewhat, Jade. Yes. Ashley says, I'm heading back to work next year after being at home with my baby for the last year. He'll be one in December and he is exclusively breastfed, co-sleeps and uses me as a pacifier at times. He'll be heading to daycare next year and I'm so worried about how he will transition without the boob, Mm. essentially. He will not take a dummy and and will have his water in a bottle. Yeah, well, that's good. Any advice on how best to transition him or any words of comfort that he'll manage? Thank you. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, I think um, they they do transition and they do give up those things. We've just got to kind of um, start the process. So I think, you know, they're maybe not offering the boob as a comfort probably all the time is the first sort of thing. Um, uh, You know, dummies... A, a, a sort of okay I guess as a sort of did she say she he has a dummy I think, I think she said he won't take the won't pacifier take the, right. he will not take a he dummy take but yeah. he will have his water in a bottle which is okay a, well that's right? something yeah so I mean at, he's one right so um he probably only needs you know three breastfeeds or three milk feeds a day so you know I would start to cut them back to being that breakfast lunch dinner type sort of thing and and then at other times comfort him without using the boob so it's just a process I mean he's not going to like it at first and he's going to be particularly um you know upset by it but I think you know if you're comforting him but not giving him the boob at least you're there and you know distraction is always good and take him for a walk you know those sorts of things and they get used to it pretty quickly um if she wants to drop the breast altogether then I would start, I mean, for a one-year-old, you could certainly just skip the bottle altogether, you know, and go to a cup. Um, but if he's taking milk, uh, water out of a bottle, then I'd probably maybe offer, you know, um, milk. He can have cow's milk if that's what you're um, happy to give him um, as opposed to breast milk. You know, you could have a little thing of cow's milk in the bottle once or twice a day as well just to kind of, or a cup, a sippy cup with the lid. You know, you could start doing something like that. But I think it's the idea of doing these things is often much worse than actually doing them. You know, children are very open to change, you know, initially, well, their brains are, they don't think they are, you know, they're like, but this is the way we've always done it. And this is what you've always done. But it's just about giving consistent messages, you know, this is what we're doing now. This is what we're doing now. And I I know you, you don't like it, you know, but and it only takes a couple of days, really, and babies and toddlers adjust pretty quickly if we're consistent, but we have to be consistent. And I think the interesting about that for me, Joe, is every time I hear this advice, now that my children are older and I reflect back to what it was like when I had small children like and, and a one-year-old, um, what I hear from what you're saying is that we are guiding them. So, so often I'd be scared to make a change because then I thought they wouldn't sleep or they, you know, I, I rocked my first child to sleep until I was breaking my back. She was so big. Um, but I feel like I could, I, you can still offer them comfort and support, but what I wasn't giving her was guidance. I was kind totally. of being led by her, which totally. I, I, I mean, I couldn't have seen that at the time, but it's interesting looking back, think like with what you say, that children actually are quite adaptable 
don't be yeah. scared of making some changes but with gentleness and love and absolutely and obviously picking up on their cues you know there's some things that they don't like and just don't fit their personality and that's important too mm. but we um you know obviously when they're tiny we 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 sort of set up a whole set of kind of conditions you know based on what we think they need what they're showing us but often that we don't change they change before we do you oh know? yeah so we're, we're still doing those old things but they're actually able to do more or, or deal with more or, or move on yes. so I think, um, as you say as long as it's done gently and respectfully um then it's very um it's it's not often doesn't take a long time to change these old habits we've just got yeah. to have the confidence to do it and know that there will be some pushback because of course they've done what it one way their whole life and we're all of a sudden saying no we weren't going to do that do it this way now and none of us like change very much so you know it's hard but just gentle consistent messaging and things will change quite quickly mm. and be better for both of you don't forget that absolutely, absolutely. here's a question from tracy Hi, my daughter just turned three and lately she's been having screaming tantrums where nothing can calm her down and also some sleep issues. She's become very demanding and won't let go of that demand until it's fulfilled. This is the trigger for most of the tantrums from toys she wants from another child to foods she sees someone eating and wants some herself or if I can't play with her immediately when she wants me to. It's tantrum time. She's also been waking up crying and screaming some nights and also only having a day sleep every second day lately. I have a feeling these sleep issues are linked to the tantrums, but I'm not sure what to do. Her bedtime is eight and she wakes around six to seven most mornings. She used to sleep through with the occasional wake-ups for comfort until she began dropping the day naps. Then all these issues also began. I'd love any advice. Well, it sounds to me like um, she's tired. You know, she's she's transitioning to dropping a day nap and so um, she's tired and tiredness is the big trigger for tantrums. They don't, they just can't process their feelings. They're overwhelmed, um, basically feeling tired, but there's all this stuff happening and, and, um, and they lose it, you know, and they melt down and that's very understandable. So I would recommend putting her to bed earlier in the night. I think eight is, is a bit late too for a three-year-old. I'm a massive fan of the seven o'clock bedtime. Um, just because they get all that beautiful deep, the deepest sleep of the night they get in the evening. So we want to add another hour maybe of that deep sleep, which will help her the next day be able to regulate her feelings a little bit more and be not so on the edge all the time. That said, tantruming is very normal. Um, again, they are unable to process or, or verbalise what they're feeling or understand these kind of overwhelming feelings that they're getting. Um, I wouldn't give in to them as such. Like I wouldn't give in to her demands, but I would support her and, and hug her throughout through the tantrum and say, I know you want that, whatever it might be, that toy, but I'm so sorry right now you can't have it because so-and-so is playing with that toy or whatever. But you, you stand your ground, but you are gentle and kind and understanding and you verbalise what she can't to her. So I can see you're really upset and angry that you can't have that toy. And I understand that. But right now you can't have the toy because so-and-so is having the toy, you know, whatever it might be. I know it sounds a bit sort of trite, but in fact, these things really help 
kids and toddlers regulate and understand empathy and understand the words that are associated with the feelings that they have. And they have to learn somewhere, don't they? I mean, we, that's right. They're just experiencing them for the first time. And I think sometimes we forget as parents that these emotions are things we've been feeling for decades. Yes. Whereas for little ones, when they're, you know, having a tantrum, they're dealing with so much new stuff. Absolutely. And understand that they actually do not have the capacity, the developmental capacity to understand someone else's point of view. And that doesn't come till they're like six or seven. You know, it's quite a long way away. So if you say... I don't want you to, you know, that's upsetting little Joey over there. You know, they don't care. <laughs> but it's not a bad thing to say that, though, so that it starts to, you know, to help with those sort of empathetic feelings that they will eventually get. But it's about them. I can see you're angry. I know you're angry. Um, but, you know, this is what's happening. I'm here for you and I'll cuddle you and I'll support you. Um, but you can't have it. You know, mm. that's just the, and it's hard to stand your ground. It's very hard because you want that tantrum over and you want it done. So here, have the thing. And by that, they learn that that kind of behaviour gets a result, mm-hmm. you know. And so, of course, why not keep using it, right? Yeah. Mm. We probably have time. Let's see how we go. We may have time for more than one, but this one's from Motahari on Facebook Live. Could you please suggest some good games to play and activities to try with my 13-month-old? Look, 13-month-olds um, really just like things like banging, you know. Um, music is really good, so singing um, and having music on in the background or around and singing songs and nursery rhymes and things with 13-month-olds are great. Also giving them like a drum or a tambourine or something to bang is also a really good thing. Um, the whole peekaboo, you know, and the hiding because that teaches them sort of that sort of object permanent sort of state so they, they understand that you go but you come back. That's a good sort of game to play. Um, but just sitting and just doing things one-on-one. I mean, at 13 months old, they are starting to interact a little bit more, um, but it's more they will watch you and see what you do. So it's a bit of parallel play still for a while. Um, you know, some handing things and handing them back, you know, those sorts of things. Um, a Tupperware drawer. I never had one for my kids, but they just, if you have a bottom drawer that's safe yeah. and full of Tupperware, they'll spend hours just pulling them out and putting them back in. Yeah, they love that sort of thing. Posting is also a big thing. So either posting into the drawer or posting through something they like. But music and, and sound and all of those things, singing um, is, is a nice thing. And reading, of course. Reading, it's a great time to, to if you haven't started to start reading to your child. They're not always going to want to sit and listen. But even just, you know, offering them the book to look at as well, pointing at things. Yeah. Those things. I reckon we do have one time for one last question. Yeah. This is from Shannon. My three-year-old has never had a dummy, but instead she's always sucked and chewed on random things like the corner of her blankie, her hair, or her clothing. She seems to do it when she's sitting still, like when she's watching TV and in the car. It's as though she needs some stimulation for her hands and mouth when she's still. Is this normal and should we be trying to get her to stop doing this? It was cute when she was a baby, but at age three, it has become a real habit. But I'm not sure where to start in encouraging her to stop. Can you share any advice with me? 
Uh, but look, to be honest, I think it's fine. I mean, it's a way of self-soothing, right? It's her thing. It's her comfort thing. And I think at three, there's a lot going on. So I wouldn't be sort of taking anything away. She will grow out of it, you know, or she will, or she will find another way to soothe herself that's not so overt, you know, as she grows up. But um, I think, you know, you can start to limit it, I guess, to did you say she's sucking on the corner of a blankie or something? Yes, like that? yeah. If the blankie maybe for the bedroom, you know, I think you can start to put a few boundaries around those things, um, you know, that it's just for sleep time or for, you know, for sitting in the bed before bed, you know, when you do that kind of wind down. Um, but I, I don't think I'm actually, I quite like it when, children have those little things that because it means they don't they're not reliant upon you as you know that they are have these things help them be secure away from you so particularly for a three-year-old I would uh, I would imagine they're at childcare or preschool even or some you know starting that sort of thing those things can be helpful when transitioning with change or you know particularly if there's new babies in the house or anything like that so I, I really don't see it as a problem if it's not affecting her ability to do things or your ability to do things and I wouldn't I wouldn't worry too much and it's funny because I remember my daughter used to suck her thumb and it, my parents would tell her when she was there to take her thumb out of her mouth and I said to her look you know when you're at nanny and pops and they say that you can do that there I said I don't care if you suck your thumb at home just that's fine um, because my parents were worried that she was going to, you know, put a teeth yeah. out or something. But she stopped and yeah. I never did anything. It was just a thing that she grew out of. And I know some kids don't, but we, yeah. we tend to be so focused on that period of time and that age yeah. that we're at. We don't see how those things change as they grow. And That's right. That's right. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't be worried about it right now. I think that, like I say, often there's a lot going on in their little world, you know, so it can be a nice thing to just help them deal with all that stuff. So I wouldn't yeah. worry right now. Yeah. As long as they're not sucking their shirt collar, my son does that annoys the hell oh, out of me. Like, it, doesn't it? It's all wet and I just, it must be uncomfortable for them. I mean, yeah. you know, each to their own son, but still. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, we've run out of time. Thank you so much for coming on again. Okay, my pleasure. And thank you, everyone, for your questions. Don't forget that we do have parent school across on the Babyology website if you didn't get a chance to ask your questions. We have lots of experts there on all kinds of topics, uh, including sleep, behavior, all sorts of things. You just jump online, make an appointment with whoever you would like there and um, can have a one-on-one -on -one chat, which is always easier to determine what's going on for your family. Um, so there'll be links in the notes of this episode as well as on this Facebook Live. So thank you once more, Joe, and we'll see you all next week. Bye-bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.